welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, the sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. The Lunch Pail is dented. <laughs> and it is it is battered and bruised and, and messed up right now. And I'm not even sure any of those guys really deserves to carry it this week. But we will get into the Norfolk disaster, the Norfolk nightmare for Virginia Tech, and we'll get into the Duke game, and we'll have our pick three at the end. Mike, uh, I, you know, I made the mistake of when we walked in there and to that stadium. I said, well, at least we should have a pretty easy day. We should probably get on the road pretty quickly after this. Won't be a whole lot that we have to parse through. Your, just your general thoughts on what we saw at uh, at that stadium on Saturday. I mean, you, you know, you say not to overreact to one loss, uh, and you try to kind of be temperamental, especially early in the season, but, I mean, that was a disaster from start to finish for them. I mean, offense scored 35 points, which wasn't bad, but, I mean, man, they just didn't look very good. I mean, they ran the ball okay, but not consistently. I mean, they got first downs, but not po- not enough points, uh, especially in that first half. Um, and then the defense, uh, I mean, that is as bad of a defensive performance as I think fans have seen here, what, in 25 years? Uh, since was 1993, I guess, basically. Yeah, there was a game against North Carolina uh, maybe about five years ago where they missed so many tackles and they gave up a, a boatload of yards. In terms of raw statistics, yes. And an opponent level too. Uh, this is the worst I've seen, but uh, there have been some. There have been some days where you're like, did Bud Foster even clock in today? Right, but I mean, this was bad, uh, certainly, because I mean, look, you know, and uh, Coach Fuente mentioned this after the game. They decided to throw it every down. Yeah. I mean, they just said we're just gonna sit back and throw it every down, and and Virginia Tech uh, tried a bunch of different things, tried a bunch of different coverages, were bringing pretty good pressure, but couldn't stop anything. And uh, this was this Blake Larusa backup quarterback that came in in the second series and they did not seem prepared not not for him but just for the game plan that they used that they were going to just throw it every down and they were going to put it up and uh and it all added up to one of the you know i mean people were asking and emailing is this the worst loss in program history it's not probably but i mean you're certainly talking top 10 top five just because of the level of disparity the level of uh, the, you know, they were four touchdown favorites, uh, and uh, this kind of is a huge, huge setback. But what happened, everything, I think, fell apart. It was just kind of a perfect storm, I would I would call it. Yeah, I think if you go strictly by the line, the Temple loss is the worst. JMU is number two because JMU was like 33. I think Temple was like 38. Yeah. This was 28 and a half. Uh, the fact that it was on the road, you know, that's, that's a little different than losing at home in front of your own, own crowd and everything. But yeah, it was it was surreal, and we got to remember this is a team that lost its opener to Liberty fifty-two to ten. Right. Fifty-two to ten. You know, it's not like you look at those receivers. At least I did, and I said, "Wow, these guys are good players. These two receivers are big. You know, they're they're sticky-handed. They 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 run good routes. They seem to make tough plays in traffic." Um, I was a little alarmed that that they could have those two players and that quarterback and not have a better record coming into this game. If I'm an ODU fan, I'm wondering what the heck where the heck that quarterback Larusa has uh, well, been. Well, I all joked along. I joked with a, a colleague that said basically was he playing a long con that he gave up those first 3 games Open just dope. to get Virginia Tech? I mean, I mean that makes no sense, but obviously this kid uh they had this plan going into this game at least it seemed like they you know what it, it wasn't some switch in the second series. They were going to go to him and then stick with it. Um 
and took advantage. Obviously, they saw, I mean, a weakness with Virginia Tech with the defensive backs. Obviously, very young. Caleb Farley, uh, Watts um, really, really struggled. Um, and they said, you know, uh, Brian Mitchell, and I'm going to do a story about this for uh, Thursday, which is probably today when you're listening to this, um, just about how when things started going bad, the technique got worse and worse. They started making more mistakes, and it kind of compounded itself. Um, and he said they got to kind of go back to the drawing board. Uh, you know, and coverage-wise, they, they they did change it up. I mean, a lot of it was man, and fans were kind of complaining why they didn't uh, kind of switch it up. But they did, and, and that guy made uh, – LaRusso made really good throws uh, throughout the game. What's going to be interesting now is how much does Bud Foster have to change just his general philosophy because we know what his philosophy is, and he's very upfront about it. He says, I want to stop the run. I'm going to get some pressure – uh, from different directions, preferably with four guys. But if I can get you know a couple blitzes in here to, to disrupt the quarterback, that's great. They want to make the cor- the team one dimensional. Well, Old Dominion couldn't be any more one dimensional <laughs> than they were. <laughs> they, they were half a, a dimension. I mean, it was just <laughs> half a dimension, and it was just it was just stunning to see those receivers get open and play after play after play. And when they weren't open, they still made plays. And the tackling was not good. Um, you know, Watts. Watts is, as we talked about before, he's fast, but he's a little small, especially compared to those other those big guys that ODU had. So, I mean, it, it, do you change things up? I mean, do you do you play more zone coverages and do you you know, give some help with the linebackers and more safety help for those receivers, not putting them on an island like like Virginia Tech is known to do? And if they do that, how vulnerable does that make them to a running attack? Because as we'll talk later, I mean, Duke can run the ball pretty well. Yeah, and you know, uh, one of the they had Divine Diablo out. He's uh, the safety. Uh, he's the biggest guy that they have a bet in the secondary. And, and Bud said, you know, he would have helped. I mean, there was no excuses, but the idea that if he he was in that lineup, some of those uh, balls deep that they could he could have contested because those were big receivers. Uh, and, and some of those throws were contested. There was one in the end zone where they had two guys, and that guy just ripped it away from in between them and, and, and there took was two hits. Yeah, on the play too. And so um, you know, there were some plays made. I don't know if fans appreciated Bud Foster saying those were Aaron Rodgers like throws on Tuesday, but. Um, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, but he did play well. Um, what's your biggest kind of surprise from how they played? Uh, I mean, lots, <laughs> lots of deficiencies, but which one kind of stood out the most for you? Well, it's the defense for sure. I mean, we talked before the season that th- there are a lot of questions about this defense. That was the storyline coming into the year, but I think it was a little bit covered up by the fact that Florida State's not very good, uh, and William and Mary pres- provided little resistance at all to on e- on any in any facet of the game. So we're coming in here thinking, well, they, they're talking about how they didn't, they're not expecting any drop-off themselves. Maybe they won't drop off. Maybe this just maybe they're that uh, talented, these new guys coming up, that they can just do this. I mean, I, th- I think I, I knew we would see big plays, okay, and not necessarily in this game but in, in some games. I knew we would see mistakes uh, out of that secondary. I knew we would see some mistakes out of the linebackers. But for it all to come together like that, uh, was the biggest surprise the, the fact that it was just they could not stop them at all you know the offense you're right uh, in the beginning of the game I thought this this the struggles were offensive number one was the offense was the problem because you need to put this team away early I mean, yeah. you, you basically gave this team an opportunity to just hang around and you know tech only got seven points in the first quarter Again, Liberty 52 points against this team. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to pick on Liberty and say they stink. You're saying Liberty's not a very good team. They're, well, I'm just saying like they're you, not a very you good should team. Should be better no, yeah. than Liberty, right? <laughs> no, um, so that that you know they're they're not blameless here. The offense is not blameless, but 
definitely the defense is the story of the game. I think my biggest surprise, I mean, those numbers were, were surprising, but um, the way this team's been a second-half team under uh, right. Justin Fuente and been uh, – it's not just adjustments. It's about attitude. It's about uh, focus. And they came out and were just a bad football team. And in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was – I mean, Fuente was fired up. I mean, he was ready to lay into his team in the – he did land, but he was ready to stay and just say – you know, any other questions about how bad and how embarrassing <laughs> we were playing? Because we were embarrassing. They had three personal, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the fourth quarter alone, which is, I mean, unheard of. Three on three different players in the span of 15 minutes. Uh, undisciplined, unfocused. Uh, I mean, obviously they lose Josh Jackson in the fourth quarter, and we'll get to kind of how they can recover from that in a bit. But um, – it was bad. I mean, it was ugly. And this is a team, I mean, they were tied at half, so it didn't affect his record of what? It was like 30-something and oh, after leading at halftime or something. Uh, it's not that high. It's like 19. 19. Yeah. But but still, I mean, this is, but it shows you that they're a good second-half team. And in the locker room, I don't know, he did not push the right buttons on Saturday. And they, uh, he, he called, I mean, he, they called it as they saw. It was embarrassing, uh, ugly, you know, it was, it was bad. And that was kind of the biggest surprise just because um, he's usually able to, uh, to hit those right buttons. Yeah. I mean, I've been around this program for 18 years now. Um, and I've seen some stunning losses. I've seen some really poor performances. And, and I know one thing is people got really mad at how Frank would be after games like this. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, there are very few games exactly like this one. Right, but, right. But JMU sort of like that where he you, you just kind of looks lost or he looked uh, just completely, you know, he wasn't saying the things that Justin said after the game, which basically was, this is completely inexcusable. We cannot right. have this. Right. I want to give credit to Old Dominion, of course, but uh, we cannot have performances like this. And I think that's I – mean, I know fans are still really fiery mad, but I think that soothes them a little bit in that they understand that their coach is just as bad as they are. <laughs> right, right, and it just, it, but it's honesty, right? Like he's not going to stand up and like we say we made it. We were a few plays go the other way, and we're you know that's what Frank would do. Uh, but he was a more, it's a different personality too, right. and and a longer tenure. So I mean, thir- you know, thirty years in, you probably don't get fired up after every loss <laughs> as you do. Well, he looked, he would look shipwrecked. Yeah, basically. he looked like he you maybe know, more sick. upset than yeah. than than angry. And and Justin Fuente was angry about that performance, and. uh and I think the penalties had a lot to do with it. Some of the um, just, uh, you know, he he says he doesn't like calling his team inexperienced, but they played young and they play and they and they showed their youth uh, with some of the mistakes they made. And he just said, "That's look, you can make a mistake on the field, and we can move forward, and that's that's fine." But some of the other stuff was, you know, you can't, you just can't have it. And that's and look, some of those plays made a difference. They extended drives. Uh, they gave him good field position because uh, one of the things was after uh, a special team. I think it was a point after where chris cunningham you know leveled a guy um just bad stuff i mean just really ugly and fans are being our right to be upset and overreact because i mean that wasn't just a close loss or you know an ugly performance that was really really bad i have not seen an undisciplined virginia tech team in a long time yeah the early 2000s they had some very talented teams that were that would fall apart if they got challenged they got punched in the mouth like this but in the, la- in the last few years of Frank and the first few years of, of Fuente, I have not, you know, they've, they've, yeah, they've lost games, but they haven't self-destructed like that. And that, yeah, I, I think it was, I think it surprised 
Fuente. I think he didn't Because the first two games, yeah, I mean, I they didn't have a per- procedural penalty against the offensive line. You know, they had a couple, you know, they had one on sportsmanlike conduct, I think, in the first game for Florida State. But, I mean, the mistakes were far and few between. I mean, there were some youthful and experienced things on the field. But, I mean, there was no sort of like, this is, this. that's a young guy making a mistake. But that was all over in that second half. It was just, like he said, they faced adversity and they crumbled. And they were the story of the weekend. I mean, the story, yeah. and they might be the sto- that game might be the upset of the season. We'll see what else happens down the road. But for now, it's the biggest upset of the college football season so far. And you know, there was more bad news than just the <laughs> result. Just, I mean, just falling got, down the hill. Yeah, yeah. Just Josh a- Jackson. Um, obviously, you you talked to his father. Um, really nice job by you getting some some insight from his dad because obviously Josh was not available to us. Just. You know, tell us about the injury and also the yeah, forecast. It's a, a broken fibula. Um, he had surgery uh, Tuesday, um, and you know, Justin Fuente didn't want to give the timeline. Um, it's a couple of months at least, and so that puts him kind of on the uh, the edge of just even being eligible for the bowl. Um, he'd be, you know, they changed the redshirt rules so he can now eat more easily get a waiver if he doesn't play again this season to extend his eligibility. Uh, it's not, I mean, they don't expect him back in the regular season. Uh, bottom line. Uh, so he's done, um, and the family was kind of preparing for that on Sunday morning. Um, hadn't talked to the doctors yet, but, I mean, it was, you know, what Fred said. You know, I saw the pain in his eyes, and it was it was obvious to me something was wrong, um, not just a sprained ankle. And, and, you know, he went to the back for x-rays. And the other thing is, and this was maybe the more surprising news because Jackson was hurt during the game, was Trayvon Hill was kicked off the team right. Sunday morning. Um, you know, there's been rumors about this, you know, but certain incidences, but obviously it was a culmination of things. Uh, you know, it wasn't just one thing. Um, Justin Fuente talked that they had kind of talked with him and his family throughout the last couple of years and tried to get him on the right track. And there was just a variety of things that led to this and that decision. And that's your top pass rusher. So now you're going into Duke with, um, you know, you basically your best player, most productive player on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, can they recover? What's kind of your take on that? I mean, because this is not now just a loss. This is this bigger than that. Yeah. Well, regarding Hill, you know, I think fans might just look at the timing of that and say, wow, they're just making this guy a scapegoat. But this is, you know, he's had a couple. He's, I think, hasn't he been suspended a couple of times? Yeah. I mean, for, for quarters or games. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, you know, he just pushed it probably one one step too far, and, and it was a bad time to do that because uh, the you know they were, the coaches weren't in a good mood. But he's a good player, man. Uh, he's he, he <laughs> he's brushes, the best pass rusher, yeah. Quarterback. Um, he's he's got a big motor, as as Charlie Wiles likes to say, and that's hard to replace when you have a guy like that who's always potentially going to disrupt the backfield. Can they recover from this? I. I'm leading the fearless forecasters right now in terms of the guest or the, uh, the the regular panel or whatever, but I don't know how that's happened because uh, I usually don't lead that because I like underdogs. I picked Virginia Tech this week, and we'll get to the score prediction and all that, but I do think they're going to recover. And, again, I told you off air, I wouldn't be surprised by anything that we saw on this Saturday, this coming Saturday, but uh, I do – I do have confidence in this coaching staff. Uh, I do have confidence in Bud Foster. His track record is pretty pretty impeccable. Um, and I know that, you know, they, they were going to have some struggles this year. 
And if they all came in one game, then that that could be a blessing for them. I mean, they, they, you'll never. Uh, no fan will look at this game and say that's a blessing. But um, if if you can get it all out of the way in one game, <laughs> and with with all the things you still have in front of you in terms <laughs> of the ACC title um, or, or the Coastal Division and all those things, then maybe they can build on it like they did in 2010 when they went. They started 0 and 2. They lost to James Madison. And then they reeled off 12 straight wins. Yeah, I mean, this hurts sort of their general outlook, but not their outlook in the conference because, I mean, they're still all their goals are ahead of them. Um, right. You know, uh, nationally, the loss is going to linger uh, <laughs> quite a bit. Um, you know, it's hard because, look, Ryan Willis steps in, and the good thing about him is he, ha he has experience. He started eight, 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 uh, 10 games at Kansas, uh, eight as a freshman, two the following year. Um, so he's not a guy that you need to worry about sort of um, the moment being too big. And he played four top 15, 20 teams his freshman year. So, I mean, he was in some hostile crowds, hostile environments, uh, played at Texas. You know, he, he experienced, went through the ringer. His first game was against number three Baylor at the time. So um, that's good. Uh, but the problem is, is that it's a lot to do in one week to sort of recover and say we're going to reset on offense. I mean, Ryan's not that much different than Josh, but you're still – got a new quarterback, getting everybody ready, and then you've got a defense where they've got some things to correct, and now, you know, Duke's looking at it, and they, they're they probably thinking, man, we got all, we got a, <laughs> we can do whatever we want against this secondary, um, and you're going to do it without Trayvon Hill, uh, you know, rush, because they, look, they pressured the quarterback. They had him moving out of the pocket, right. um, and, you know, you take Trayvon away from that, it, it's a lot. Uh, you know, maybe it's better they're on the road. They won't feel the pressure of the home crowd, uh, you know, because if they got down and booed, I think they'd get in some of these kids' heads. But I don't know, you know, I think they're – optimistically, you want it to be a close game. You don't want to get blown out because then you're, you're talking about things lingering. But if you can get it close at least and be in this game, make it a one-possession game or have a chance to win it at the end, I think that's, that's a positive step forward because it, it's a tough five days to kind of – basically replaced your two best most productive players and kind of wipe that loss where you just got that's a slap to the face yeah that's a good point because i'm really thinking defensively mostly about mm -hmm. trying to rebound but it's a really good point that you know i'm kind of assuming that they can just plug and play yeah ryan willis and i, I shouldn't make that assumption yeah. i mean you know he, he did you know, make some nice throws at the end of the odu game we saw him a little bit against william and mary he was great in the spring game um, I, you know, I feel like he can play. And there are a lot of fans, I think, who wanted him to be the quarterback. They wanted him to win the job this year. But if he were to struggle and the offense as a whole were to struggle, man, now you got some serious issues because you're not just looking at one side of the ball that we knew was going to be kind of a question mark. Now you're, you're str the strength of your team is also in question, and then things could go off the rails. Right, right. and he, I mean, he's only played, what, three drives this year? So, um, and that was his first action in almost two years. And so there's going to be some bumps in the road for him as he kind of gets the, the feeling back and in, in the, in, in the game mentality back. Because, you know, practice, a spring game is not the season. You know, no. a spring game is, is, is about as far from regular competition as you can get. And so I think, you know, uh, there's going to be some uh, the challenges for this offense to sort of be consistent. 
And the problem is, is if your defense is struggling, um, you don't have that sort of margin for error. And so I just think it's going to be tough. I mean, I don't rule them out just because, you know, I don't think the talent gap is, you know, ever, the, there's been kind of a, a love affair right now between the Duke coaching staff and Virginia Tech coaching staff uh, trying to outpraise each other. <laughs> but I, I th- these are both talented teams, and I don't think you look at Duke's roster and say they're by far more talented. Uh, they're playing better, obviously, right now. But, um, you know, this wasn't a score that I thought, even if uh, – Virginia Tech blew out Old Dominion. I wasn't going to say this was going to be a blowout for Virginia Tech. I, th- it, I thought this was going to be a close game no matter what. Right. Well, go back and read Mike's story on Ryan Willis if you haven't already. Good good stuff on his background. Uh, we also learned that he's uh, got some Cherokee in him. Yeah, he apparently. Uh, in the yeah. Cherokee elections and as a Cherokee uh, <laughs> guy, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, this game – you know, when you look at Duke, what, they're 4-0. They've beaten Baylor. They've beaten Army. Army almost beat Oklahoma the other day. Uh, so, you know, they have better wins, you could probably say, than than, than that Florida State win because yeah. Florida State is, is so bad right now. What is the biggest challenge facing the Hokies in terms of Duke and what they do well? Uh, just schematically, they're going to, you know, do some things to hide uh, and run RPOs and hide what they're, what they're, they're doing. And, you know, with those defensive backs, are they going to – edge too much towards passing are they going to get too worried and let the run game kind of explode or are they gonna um you know get in their heads a little bit with the are they going to just try to throw it up because i mean that worked against uh old uh, you know old dominion's game plan so i just think that you look at what duke does i mean they're going to be a much more complex offensive scheme and old dominion didn't really i mean they were just stepping back and throwing um so with the with that disguise uh is this team going to be able to make those adjustments and sort of uh, call those things outright and have the confidence to do it after being shaken, uh, you know, last week. It's going to be a tough, tough uh, task, I think, to short, sort of try to get it all put together, um, especially when you're kind of trying to focus on technique and fundamentals, like they said this week, because uh, that got away from them. Yeah, and, and if you're trying to plug a leak in the dam with your finger and right. other leaks start coming that's out a of good, the That's a the good dam. analogy, yeah. You know, like if, if the running game tramples them. Right, you know, that right. is a real, real big concern. Uh, I'm fascinated by this game. This is one of the bigger games I can recall just in terms of uh, my anticipation level for it because mm. I want to see how this team responds. I want to see whether Duke is for real. Um, you know, this trips to Durham, it's going to be a split crowd. It's going to, you're going to be surprised. It'll look very similar to what uh, Foreman Field looked like on Saturday. Yeah. There's going to be a ton of Hokies there. Uh, the tailgating scene at Duke is actually underrated. I've walked around the campus when before the games, and it actually looks like a lot of fun there. Uh, to, and I think the fans are getting a little bit more on board than they used to be. Sure. Um, because it was always, you know, when's Midnight Madness? You know, let's, right. you know, who cares about this game? But, I think people will be fired up to try to keep this this record intact down there, and um, so it should be a good one. Yeah, and they're coming. I mean, they're ranked for the first time uh, in a couple of years, and uh, obviously undefeated. Um, so they've got some real momentum, and if they win this one, I mean, they're going to be looking at kind of, you know, having uh, the the kind of the favorite status almost now, five and zero, and beat you know beat Virginia Tech, uh, and then Virginia Tech looks at welcoming Notre Dame, and if they you know they play Stanford this weekend, so. Uh, interesting two weeks here where you kind of thought, um, man, that you know Virginia Tech will have everything in front of them. Now they they've got to scramble to kind of get everything get everything right. And you know there's 
there's no panic, but I certainly think there's an urgency uh, with this group right now because, you know, if this goes bad, it could be a long season, which, which three weeks ago he didn't really kind of see coming uh, in this way. Yeah, I think in some ways it's good that Duke is favored by five. It's good that this is on the road. It's good that a win would be considered a good win uh, for them to get it because if you were to get a win in your Virginia Tech it's much easier to put this ODU game behind you and just say, okay, we beat a pretty good team here. You know, it's not that we didn't just go beat East Carolina or something right. after losing to ODU. We beat somebody in our division who, who could beat us and was pr- predicted to beat us by the odds makers. So I think there's opportunity here for sure. And I think the intensity level will be high. Uh, I'm sure the d- discipline will be better because they're, they're I'm sure they've been warned. Couldn't be worse. <laughs> uh, l- what is your prediction for this game? I feel like it's like a 28-21, 28-17 Duke win. That's just kind of how I, I – just a closer game, but Duke escapes. I, I just I just think it's going to be hard for Virginia Tech to win. I mean, look, if Willis steps in and, and, is, and is fantastic, uh, maybe they're able to escape. But they would need something like that. They would need like a, a standout kind of performance on one side of the ball where, you know, a guy just takes over. Um, and I don't know if they have that – player defensively right now to be able to do that um so they would need willis to kind of come in and and be not perfect but almost you know you know four touchdowns a few mistakes to kind of rally in the troops otherwise i think it's going to be tough to kind of to hang um just knowing that you've lost so much here in a week yeah i think that all makes a lot of sense but i'm still i'm still gonna say that they circle the wagons here and get it done i'll say 37 30 Shootout. A lot of points. A lot of points. And I, I still, you know, this defense is wounded. Uh, it is uh, it's embarrassed. Um, I think it'll play better, but I think it'll still make some mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's the onus is going to be on this offense to outscore them. Uh, and I, I like Willis. I, I like what he's about. I, they're, they're rece- you know, he can, he can throw the ball. He can stretch the field. He can get that ball downfield to Hazleton. There's big play possibilities there. Um, you know, Peoples had a big game on Saturday. He's, you know, he's in good form uh, to be maybe your bell cow back in this game. So, I mean, uh, maybe it's uh, sort of wishful thinking on the on behalf of the Hokie Nation out there that they would they would rally like this because it makes the season much more interesting if they win this game. That's for damn sure. Sure. If they no, lose, absolutely. I mean, all of a sudden uh, we're talking about shrapnel everywhere for the rest of the year probably because Notre Dame probably comes in, into Blacksburg and wins. So, uh, just a just a pivotal pivotal game for Virginia Tech. And what you mentioned, Hazelton, and this is a story that I think gets lost. Uh, his performance, he's averaging uh, 25 yards a catch, which is second best in the country. 283 yards, three touchdowns, 94 yards a game. He's he's been their guy, and he's been very good as advertised. Had that drop at the end, uh, which kind of overshadowed, and obviously the loss overshadowed his. Uh, he had a good game. Uh, but he's been very good, and so you got to hope that him and Willis have some chemistry because uh, this offense, like, and, and you know, Kent's Old Dominion, you say 35 points should be enough, right? I mean, it should be enough in most games, right. especially with a defense with the reputation and a, a defensive coordinator with the reputation of Bud Foster. Um, but, yeah, that was not good. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay, let's get to our pick three, shall we? Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, my first one. I had tipped my wife. Uh, as you said, um, we kind of expected the weekend to go a little differently. So I was like, 
I'll get home on Saturday. We'll have Sunday to spend. You know, I've been I got all my stuff done on the road. We'll be able to unpack some stuff. And uh, Sunday, Monday, and basically Tuesday were all disasters. <laughs> it was w- straight work. She had to take uh, extra slack with the kids. Uh, and it was just kind of the uncertain. I texted her during the game. I'm like, this, th- th- this ain't. Uh, we're not gonna be able to go to like Home Depot on Sunday. <laughs> that ain't happening. Um, so uh, she took the kids out on Sunday while I was writing the Trayvon Hill stuff and talking to Josh Jackson's dad. So uh, hat tip to her for kind of picking up the. Uh, the slack when that turn that took a turn this was supposed to be an easier week uh on our, i mean nobody cares on the reporters but uh you were expecting right you know just kind of this player's looking good this player's looking good as you look kind of this duke game but everything kind of changed yeah there are really two situations that reporters get thrown out of whack one is a major upset like this where you just weren't yeah. expecting a game <laughs> And the other is when you uh, teams in the NCAA tournament and you're covering it, and it's like, okay, if they win, I'm flying to Dallas. Right, you can't play lose, in the next I'm four weeks. Right, I don't know <laughs> right. what to do. Yeah, I don't know whether to book a flight or what. But uh, so yeah, it was. We got home uh, about three in the morning. Well, so and I had a longer drive than you guys, so I was yeah. at four, and I stayed up to like five thirty working. So it was a, uh, and there was rain for two hours. I mean, it was yeah. a brutal drive back too. So, uh, you know not complaining I, we, we you know we do the job but it was just hard on the family when you try to try to plan for some things and instead you're spit you're you're look i didn't expect to write almost two thousand words on ryan willis in the fourth week of the season or fifth week of the season <laughs> you just weren't expecting that right. uh so uh yeah so crazy kind of turn your first one okay my first one uh it's fresh in my mind just had lunch at leonore's here yeah i guess that's how you say you were showing the leftovers to the the whole newsroom italian slash venezuelan joint downtown roanoke uh had a calzone it was seven dollars and fifty cents got some (laughs) italian sausage and some and some jalapenos in it and i could only eat half of it i'm taking the rest home and it was delicious i mean they did not skimp on the on the ricotta which is clutch You've got to have the ricotta just swimming in there. And they did a really nice job. Service was good. Um, excuse me. And uh, it, was, it was a delicious meal. So I, I recommend them. Do they have pizza or is it just Kelzone? They do. They ha- I think they their lunch menu had a 10-inch pizza. You know, I mean, it was reasonable, like eight, 8 bucks or something. And they, they had, you know, cheese steaks. But they also had, like, um, arroz con, con pollo. You know, they had, you know, uh, Latin American dishes as well. So, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Something for everyone in my life. <laughs> uh, my second one is uh, Bump, the uh, United Methodist Church preschool. Uh, we enrolled our uh, little one in, uh, and he's a temperamental sort. Uh, and the transition for him has been fantastic. And um, they've done such a really nice job with us because we enrolled him very late <laughs> into school because uh, they didn't get here till last week, and school started very much earlier than that. Uh, and he's adjusted and having a good time, and he's kind of a, a handful, and he's been doing well. So obviously they're doing something right at the Bump Preschool, so for people look on the uh, lookout for programs. That's huge. That's huge. When yeah. our kids were in preschool, uh, we were l- shopping around for preschools, and there was one that had a manual that they gave us. You know, we hadn't signed up yeah, yeah. yet, but they it had like a million misspellings in the thing. That's you know, just concerning. A simple, a simple spell check would have taken care of it. Like one part said – if uh, there's an emergency, the staff promises to remain calam, <laughs> C-A-L-A-M. And I'm like, that's halfway to calamity. <laughs> I think they meant calm, but uh, I'm not calm about this. So we ended up using Children's <laughs> Castle, and they were great. But, but um, my second one would be – You know, you'd think we'd had that prepared. That was totally on the spot. That was fantastic work by Aaron McFarland. <laughs> my, so. my second one will be um, 
hotel reservations. Yeah, uh, if anyone's seen that Seinfeld episode where he goes and he says, you know how to keep the reservation. You just don't, you know how to take the reservation. Yeah. You just don't know how to keep the reservation. That's what happened to us in Hampton. Uh, it was an odd situation. They said they overbooked the hotel. I've heard of overbooked flights. I hadn't heard of overbooked hotels. They offered to pay for a hotel next door. No, they had called already and booked a hotel next door and without notifying us at all. Right. And it was a different chain, which was the, you know, there were other, I think it was the Spring Hill Suite, so that's a Marriott. There were other Marriott's in the area, but instead they did a Hilton across the street. Uh, and the Hilton really didn't know who we were because they didn't have our name. So they're like, are you just the guys that they called about? And it was like, well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> it was a very weird situation. So maybe we took a room that was supposed to be for somebody else but normally if that happens they would call you but this was just like here we just did this good luck yeah Very I, I, strange. I have never i've done a lot of traveling in my life and i have never experienced that that is really a weird thing that you would overbook a hotel but and i guess uh, you know our editor called the travel agent and they said well if you're going to be late you should call them it's like Okay, you know, I guess. I've no, people say that. It's funny because people have said that, like well, reporters, like I got to call my hotel, tell them I'm gonna be late. Yeah. Like you call the hotel. Yeah. I I have a reservation with my credit card attached. Right. Why would I call the hotel? I guess we lived and learned. Now we're gonna. I guess, gonna I, but I mean that seems ridiculous. Like if you make a reservation. I'm used to be tr being treated well, like by the Harrah's and Caesar's Corporation. <laughs> I mean, you know, you show up and you get pleasant surprises. Yeah, like, we're no, upgrading you to a suite, right? Sir, but very strange. So I guess yeah, we have to call the hotels now if we're getting going to be there late. So uh, my third one is a uh, more British TV for me. Uh, Waking the Dead. Uh, I'm getting through this uh, old show. It's kind of a cold case. Uh, British show. Uh, it's not the greatest thing, but it's so it's watchable. And I don't it, I don't know. Probably not many people know about much about British TV, but it's a little slower paced and sort of uh, takes your time. Um, and it's got a weird, you know, it's good cast, but it's it's very just sort of oddly paced than your sort of cold case, uh, you know, CBS. Everything's done in an hour. Everything's uh, two hour episodes and they're very long. So each case is a little more involved. Um, and so I just watched that in the background recently. And it's like nine seasons. So. Uh, way to kill time while I'm, I'm I'm writing all these words on Ryan Willis's uh, background. <laughs> well, the, the Brits do it right, man. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, Black Mirror. I don't know if you ever. Yeah, watched watch that. Black Mirror. I mean, that was Black great. Mirror, yeah. Of course, that became Americanized, but yeah. it, was, it was the original seasons were were British and they were, and they were fantastic. Uh, I'll go to Europe too. I didn't know this. Uh, I was watching some German soccer yesterday, and turns out it's Oktoberfest. And here we are, you know, September 25th was yeah. yesterday. And uh, they were, you know, in the later hoosin and uh, chugging ales. And uh, so, I, you know, if you if you wanted to go to Oktoberfest in Germany, just make sure you know when it is. It's not in October. It's before that. So did you put your later hosen on and, and start <laughs> drinking? I wanted to. And I had too much work <laughs> to do yesterday. But someday I will celebrate Oktoberfest probably in October. And yeah. I, and I will... Uh, Get a little loose. <laughs> Get a little loose and turn forward. Watch out. Say. Watch out, Duke. <laughs> One last thing. I talked to Denny Hamlin today. He's uh, the okay. NASCAR driver from Chesterfield. Big Hokie fan. He's Frank's favorite driver. Frank always pulls for Denny. And I asked him if he saw the result or, you know, what, what was his reaction to the Hokie result. And he said, he said he had had a bad day at Richmond. You know, it was his favorite track. He's from right outside there. And then he gets on his plane and he sees the score and he's like, 
this day just can't get any worse. But he's, com- he's confident they're going to bounce back. And then it did because Josh Jackson out for the season and Trayvon Hill. So it, uh, <laughs> right. it did, it get, did worse. get worse. Yeah. Just just wait a little while, Denny. There'll be more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, if you think about it, all that stuff started in the summer. I mean, you know, th- that was a terrible summer for Virginia Tech. And, you know, you kind of wondered coming into this season, would this be a season where everything sort of went wrong like that? And then the first two games happen, and you're like, oh, they're going to be fine. Yeah. And so, I mean, just things just change so quickly in this sport, and um, it's it's interesting to cover. It's You're you're in for an interesting year. Well, like you said, this Duke thing, I mean, th- that game could go either way, and it could it's, it's going to define kind of this next couple of weeks. I mean, it really is a big game. I mean, I don't think you could – and, you know, it's weird because Virginia Tech's only played three, but, I mean, it's, it's a huge game right now. Uh, they got. They got to do something. They can't just get rolled over. That's for sure. And I really wish they'd been able to play ECU because you'd have a few more data points too to point to. Right. You because know, ECU looks like it might be a little better than it than it's been. Um, ODU is a, is playing East Carolina this week and is a seven point underdog at East Carolina. <laughs> that's right. So that we'll see if uh, if if ECU blows them out. I mean, maybe we could say, well, maybe Tech's lucky they didn't play ECU. Who knows. They might uh, well. People are making jokes uh, that they will, might have to play them for the bowl eligibility. So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I know, don't that, still don't see that. That's right. still. I mean, that game hasn't been canceled, so it's a possibility. That's right. Well, we will be down in Durham to cover this game, and we will be back next week to break it all down. In the in the interim, be sure to check out all our coverage on Roanoke.com. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you next time. <laughs>